Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 396 of the Juicebox podcast. Today's show is with David, and David is the father of a little girl who has type 1 diabetes. His mom also has type 1, and he's divorced from his daughter's mother. So this is a little bit about a blended family. It's a little bit about finding your way. And we, we tried to figure out how David could take the care that he's able to provide for his daughter and transfer to some of her caregivers. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this episode in just a moment. But first, I'm genuinely excited to tell you that. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. The Juicebox Podcast is also sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter and Touched by Type 1. You can find out more about Touched by Type 1 at touchedbytype1.org or on their Facebook and Instagram pages. And of course, to learn more about Arden's Blood Glucose Meter, contournext.com forward slash juicebox. I know I already explained most of this episode to you at the very beginning, but I want to make sure that you understand that David's daughter has one of the more interesting diagnosis stories I've ever heard. It involves an airplane and intrigue. It's good. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. We referenced COVID-19 in this a little bit, and the reason is we recorded this in very early April 2020, so it was all very fresh. I didn't even have a mask at that point. So just to give you a little context. My name's David. Uh, I've got three kids, and my oldest is uh, diabetic. Are we going to say your oldest name? Hannah. Hannah. Okay. How old is Hannah? She's eight. Eight. What? How old was she when she was diagnosed? She was seven. Seven. Oh, so this has been very new then. Yeah, we're we just hit our year. Uh, it was des- December of last year. Uh, not recently last year, but the year before that. I see. So she's she's well she's into her second year by a few months then. Yeah. She's getting there. Okay. How's she making out? She's doing all right. She's fine. Was it um, an emotional shift for her that you could see or Yes. There the first there were a lot of things going on. Uh not just the diabetes. We had a we had a new baby and we just switched custody from her mom to me literally within days of the diagnosis so there was a lot of change 
mm-hmm. for everyone. Yeah. So right at that same time. So let's get there the, was, wait, wait, hold on. So we're around Christmas, first of all. She's changing yes. custody. Her and her sibling are coming from living with their mom full time and to living with you full time. Yeah. Gotcha. And you are remarried? Yes, I'm remarried and have another daughter, a one year old. And and when was that daughter born? Um uh, about a week after uh December twenty seventh to be specific, but about a week after Hannah's diagnosis. <laughs> so Christmas, the birth of your daughter, changing custody of your two other children all in the same frame of time. Yes. Yeah. So there were emotional things going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a tough ride. No and kidding. It, everything smoothed out and worked out just fine. Mm-hmm. And they, they're used to being with me. They're, they're, I mean, they're here before the custody a lot. Right. It's not like you were an absentee father and then all of a sudden, like in a bad movie, they somebody dropped them on your doorstep. It wasn't like that. No, right. not, not at all. Gotcha. Um, how about for you? Do you remember how you felt in the moment? The moment I... Well, I found out. Well, I mean, yeah, I just, yeah. Finding out about a diabetes diagnosis for your daughter at the same time you're having more children, all this stuff is going on. Did you pick something to focus on or like, how did you handle that? Well, at the moment I was scared because I thought that my mom's, my mom's also a diabetic. And I, I thought that it would be the same kind of journey that my mom has had which has been really rough for her. And so, you know, even before I got to the, the urgent care, um, you know, I talked to my dad, told him the symptoms, like what, told him what's going on with Hannah. And he's like, Oh, Oh crap. She's got, she's got diabetes. And I just, I was in shock. Yeah. Your mom has type one. Yes, she does. How long, yeah. not that I want to dig far into your mom's business because she's not here, but how long has she had type one? Oh, you know? Since she was 15. Okay. And so she's, well, so I'm going to rando guess at your mom's age and say your mom's had diabetes since the 50s or 60s. Is that about fair? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So management, a little different back then, but that's the yeah. world you got to grow up seeing diabetes. So what do you remember yes. seeing in your house as a child? So, and that's, that, I guess that goes into my emotional journey and baggage with what I used to think diabetes uh, was back then. I remember, you know, helping her. She, she couldn't see colors very well. Her eyesight was not the best. So mm-hmm. I had to help her. Um, color match now i don't know what time frame this was but i had to figure out help her with her blood sugar and when she put a little drop of blood on the test strip it would change colors and we would color match it to something that's probably my earliest earliest memories yeah so your mom basically come up to you saying you know what color is this and based on that answer decides her treatment yes did that feel pressuring do you remember that as a kid or was it just part of life that is just part of life. Yeah. Now, I'll I'll share this about my mom. She she would overmanage her diabetes and and overdo the insulin quite often, and so it was 
it was not uncommon to get off the school bus and see her passed out on the floor. Wow. At, did, would you have any idea how long she had been there? No. Oh. No, I'd see her on the floor, come off, come off the bus, see her on the floor, and either call 911 when I was younger, and then later in elementary school, I had to learn how to give her shots. So is it fair to say that as your daughter's diagnosed, this is what you th- are thinking diabetes is? Yes. Dude, you got an extra unfair diagnosis story. <laughs> At times, I wish I knew nothing about it. Yeah, I'm thinking because what you knew is is so antiquated, it really didn't it didn't apply specifically. Wow, I'm sorry. For, I really am sorry. That's uh, that's uh, that does not sound fun. Like I just didn't know anything. You know, you start piecing it together as they're talking, but the stuff that's scary doesn't have a face in the moment. You know what I mean? And it certainly doesn't have a child's memory of their of their mother on the floor. So, yeah, you got stuck there, man. Uh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, By the way, my mom's doing great now. She's she's alive and well, and she figured for the out most part, bolus. pretty healthy. <laughs> yeah. So, has there before we move on to Hannah? Has there been any reciprocal um, goodness for your mom, like from the things you've learned over the last year? Like, does it translate back to her? Is she ever like, "Wow, you seem to be handling this really well"? Please tell me what you're doing, David, or does she just have it? I can't say there, there was, she, my mom will go through years, like cycles, I guess, Mm -hmm. where she does better than better some, uh, months or years at a time. And then she'll go through a rough patch. What does that look like a rough patch? Just like, would you call that burnout? What people call burnout or. I I would say it'd be the opposite. She's super aggressive and she she gets low. Yeah. Ah. And she's hypo. Uh, glycemic unaware gotcha. so she'll just get low and pass out or argue with you and tell you I'm not low and like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well it's not funny but you know I hear what you're saying I guess I've, I've had arguments with people before when they're you know they're smaller than me and they're telling me I'm fine <laughs> yeah, yeah just drink the juice yeah. and we'll talk later yeah. you just just please just drink that um, oh my gosh so alright did Hannah have any preconceived notions through your mother that you know of? You know, I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, she's pretty young. Anna's, yeah. She's pretty young. So I, probably not. Yeah. I guess they connect at some level. Like you know, Hannah's like, Hey, I got diabetes like you. And sometimes they're, they're over there now actually because school's out. Um, sometimes they'll check their blood sugar together or whatever. What what is your um, daughter using to manage as far as like technology goes? Uh, she's got the Dexcom and Omnipod. Does your mom have any gear? She's got the new Medtronic six seventy. Ah, okay. She's wishing she had the Dexcom. Yeah, I bet you she is. Uh, Jenny and I are going to record later this week about how to manage with that six seventy, and uh, I'm interested to see how that goes because most of the information is going to come from Jenny, obviously, and uh, and I don't think. Anyway, we'll find out how it goes, but I hope your mom gets to what she wants eventually. So I just wanted to see the, you know, I just wanted to be able to set the picture in my mind for what's going on and, and, and how everything is. So you yeah. reached out to be on the show uh, and David, I'm sorry, we met in, in Atlanta. Very briefly. Right. I didn't come up and say hi. Cause you had like two or three people around you, but you came to a uh, JDRF 
um, weekend in Atlanta mm-hmm. about a month or two ago. Yeah. It was a good event. I just couldn't remember if we said hello directly or not. There was a, a few whirlwind moments where I was just making eye contact and chatting and, you know, it's, uh, it was, it's, sometimes it's difficult when they're, when people are coming at you yeah. all at once. I, I didn't come up to you because you had other people around. Well, David, you're you're the first person um, I think that I've ever interviewed who's in their vehicle with a reflective vest on. So you're a real man. You oh. weren't, you weren't going to bother me in this situation. I see that. Thank you. <laughs> um, so you contacted me by email, and you, you were kind of responding to something I say on the podcast a lot, which is, I think if people get to this kind of information early enough in their diagnosis, they don't need to struggle as much or as long. Um, and that ends up being your situation. So can you tell me how you, how you found the podcast after Hannah's diagnosis? So, yeah, I, I was determined pretty shortly after diagnosis, maybe a few weeks or a month, I, I started reading anything I can get my hands on mm-hmm. at, Read, listening to other podcasts and YouTube videos, and I found I stumbled across yours and started listening to it. And I was like, "Yeah, you're a little opinionated, but you've, you've got you got some good ideas and concepts here." And, and you just you know, just grew on me. And like mold, you're you're saying sort of like mold, or uh, I've grown on you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, excellent. I'll ta- listen. I'll take that. <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to give the secret uh, away to the other podcasts that are all trying to make everyone happy, but uh, an opinion is uh, sort of important if you're going to broadcast your voice or ideas towards people. You know, you can, yeah, people can agree or disagree or like you or not like you. That's all well and good. I appreciate the the authenticity there. Thank you. Um, there are other podcasts that are sun, sunshines and rainbows, and I just, I didn't really connect there. I, I just listen, I have a very specific idea of what it is to communicate with people. And I think that if I spend my entire time trying to make everyone who could possibly be listening happy, uh, keep them uh, unoffended or whatever, I, that's a fool's errand. It really is. I only I know what I know. I know how I feel. And if you connect with it, like right on. And if not, I mean, you know, move, go somewhere else. It's cool with me. You know, I'm not trying to keep you here. Um, you know, against your will. So that's, that's excellent. So it was management ideas. I'm assuming management ideas allowed you to stay long enough to be, let's say, um, wooed by my lovely and sparkling personality. And then, because you weren't, you weren't, you weren't hanging for Scott in the beginning. You were like, Hey, he said something interesting about using insulin. Yeah. So you had a lot of concepts. I knew the basics even before this, because I've seen my mom do it, count carbs and give insulin. But there's a lot of concepts you go over that in, in like in a in-depth detail that they do teach at our children's hospital, but it's just hard for somebody brand new to absorb it all yeah. a, in a week. And you need what, so what, what's valuable there? Is it the repetition? Is it being able to go to it in your own time? What makes this format better? There's that where you, you know, having a little bit of time from the initial shock is helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed w- with me, I can only digest a little bit of new information at a time, apply it, try it out. And quite frankly, I think it's the entertainment. 
I mean, you, you had me laughing. Uh, countless pod podcast. I love that. I, I, well, listen, you know, very privately, I, I said to my wife in the beginning, if this is going to work, it just can't be dry and medicine, right? You can't be on here yeah. reading lists and saying stuff like that to people or, um, you know, this is, this, this episode's going to end up being a, uh, a roadmap for other people trying to do this, which maybe is okay. And maybe I would like you guys to stay here and listen to me, but, um, I've, I grew up and came through the blogging world around diabetes. And I have always thought that the biggest mistake people make with blogs is that they start out in a personal voice. The blog is very clearly made in someone's living room or bedroom, or, you know, they definitely did it in their underwear at two o'clock in the morning when they had the time. And then the blog finds a little bit of success in, you know, in the, in the way of clicks. And then once they have somebody listening, they, they change the blog. They shine it up and make it look professional, which just then looks like, you know, a, a PR company for a pharmaceutical firm put it together. And now all of a sudden you're everybody else. And so they abandon what got them there and what people liked about it in some weird, I don't know, uh, idea that they should now become a business. They're a real thing. I'm, I think it's money. I think they're like, oh, I'm going to make money with this, so I have to make it nicer. And then they drive away the people who were there to listen. They just be, be yourself. That's why they're there, you know? Um, and I think the same thing about this. I put out a podcast that I can listen to. And that that's important to me. I've, you know, there are other ones. I, I very, I am, I'm being a hundred percent honest. I don't listen to any of them. Uh, but at a time or two through the year, someone's come to me. Sometimes it's business people or that I do business with, or other people are like, Hey, did you hear someone say this? And, you know, I'll listen to a minute or two. And even as a minute or two is running and I'm a little bit of a snob about, you know, radio entertainment, so, you know, somebody that you can hear that you can't see. Um, and if I start getting bored, my, uh, I check out, like there's a voice in my head yelling, shut this off, you know, get, get rid of this. And I hear that a lot when people bring me those clips, I'm just like, oh, they're droning or they, you know, they're trying to sound like, you know, I don't know, like, you know, they're, they're talking like a, a news anchor. It's like, hi, how are you? And I'm like, oh my God, no one talks like that. Stop. You, you know, yeah. So. Well, I appreciate that it, it found you and, and, and that you connected with it. Management. Yeah, so Good. The, the reason I was reaching, I reached out to you is also there is, I, I don't hear a lot of blended families with diabetes or single dads that are not, I'm not single anymore, but right. dads that are, who are their primary caretaker. And so I thought I'd reach out and, just share my experience. With Excited all that. you brought that up because that's exactly where I was going next. Because you have no idea how many people want a story to, they want to hear a story about either a blended family or, you know, somebody who's, you know, there's divorce situation where the child goes back and forth and it's being done successfully. So let's ask first do you share custody? Does Hannah go back to her mom sometimes? Gvoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is Gvoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. 
Givoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit givokeglucagon.com slash risk. Now let me tell you about Touched by Type 1. They're an organization out of Florida that helps people living with type 1 diabetes. That's it. And they'd like for you to know more about them. So they're asking you, if you wouldn't mind, why don't you visit mm, touchedbytype1.org? Take a look around. You can also see what they're doing on Instagram or Facebook. So if you're more of a website person, touchedbytype1.org. If you're more of an Instagram person, you know, search for that on there. And Facebook, etc. You know how to handle it. After you've filled yourself with the goodness that is Touched by Type 1, do something nice for yourself. Get yourself one of the most accurate blood glucose meters available. Meters are not that expensive at this point. In fact, the Contour Next 1 may cost you less if you paid cash than if you went through your insurance. That may or may not be true for you, but you know how you could find that out? You'd go to contournext.com forward slash juice box. There you're going to see Arden's blood glucose meter, the Contour Next 1. And you're going to see how absolutely small and manageable it is. Easy to read numbers, super bright light, and a test strip that allows you to go back for a second chance if you should miss or mess up getting the blood the first time. Like, you know, when you don't quite get enough, you can go back with this meter. And it doesn't affect the efficacy of the test. You're going to love this meter. It's absolutely the best one that Arden has ever used. Contournext.com forward slash juice box and touch by type1.org. Get going. Do you share custody? Does Hannah go back to her mom sometimes? Legally, yeah, there's shared custody, but her mom is, has not picked them up since. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, then tell me how, how, so I guess we'll stick with blended as far as like you being remarried and um, how do you guys talk about that? Is she, I don't understand the whole step parent uh, vernacular. Like how, how you talk about that is, did you like Hannah call your wife, her stepmom? How does she refer to her? Oh, they just, you you mean, how do my kids refer to her? Yeah. Oh, Charlotte. Ah. They just call her by her name. That's kind of chill. I would like that. Um, (laughs) and they love her. She's, she's, she's a better parent than I am. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, let's not tell my wife, but yeah, she's pretty much holding the whole thing together. Uh, I'm just doing my best over here. So is that difficult for Charlotte to be involved in? How involved is she in the management of the diabetes? Not as much as I would like, uh, from the start, I just jumped in immediately and started uh, managing everything. And I would kind of dictate, you know, what, how much insulin, when, when I wasn't there, I'd call Charlotte and tell her. Uh, she just has no uh, background on it or just not as on top of it as I would be. Yeah. And, th- and there's, she does fine. and She takes care of Hannah. Uh, but there's there's some differences there for sure. I, I would wonder if it was me, how comfortable I'd feel being aggressive with insulin towards a person like in your situation in a family situation. If it wasn't, I don't, I, I don't mean it this way, but like not like not my daughter by blood, like you know, like that feeling of 
you know, if I'm going to, like, if someone's going to hurt her, it's going to be you, not me. Like that, that kind of a feeling. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, or maybe she just doesn't have the vibe for it. Does she not listen to the show? I would imagine. No. Yeah. So, so she lacks and she didn't have your mom to grow up with. There's a lot she doesn't have that you have. What do you, um, what do you have for management goals? With Hannah, what are you shooting for during the day uh, as far as um, like high and low numbers and how do you, how do you make out with it? So we've got it set to, I think 80 to 150. Uh, and r- recently, not recently, last, I don't know, six months I've, I haven't not, only been diagnosed a year, last couple of months, I guess I've slacked off. I, I guess I've had a little bit of burnout. So where does that, that's our goal that's your goal do, do you how 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 well do you stay there away from food first like not around meals pretty good yeah the, the challenge is when i'm not taking care of her the other caregivers aren't uh aren't as aggressive okay and that and and so do you think has she put on weight or gotten bigger since she's been diagnosed maybe is it a basal issue Uh, you know, I'm not sure about that. It's, I don't think it's a basal issue. It's a, a, just other caregivers that won't pre us, uh, just don't have that, I guess, intuitive, how much insulin does she need? Yeah. They'll wait until it's three or 400, you know, tie and then like, Oh, call me. What do I do? I'm like, well, she's 400. You know? <laughs> What do you do? Get in a time machine and go back two hours and call me. <laughs> yeah, you could have prevented that. Yeah. You know, you should have squashed it with a unit and a half and yeah. been done with it. Now we got to get three, maybe even four units, and it's dinner time. Right. You know what? Yeah. It's too late now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm um, I'm I'm not going to say anybody's name here, but uh, I'm looking at um another person's CGM at the moment. Uh, for a child and then a very similar situation where the father's more aggressive uh, than the mother is. And I started looking at the graph over the weekend and I was like, Oh, this is great. You know, like it's really going well. And then Monday came and then the kid's blood sugar started going up and staying higher longer. And at first I thought like, what's happening, you know? Uh, But it's exactly what you're describing. The, The father went off to work and, you know, now the kids behind with people who are just in your, in their situation, it maybe is not as aggressive as maybe they're a little more um, scared, I guess, you know, to, to, to use too much insulin and they're trying, they're pre-bolusing they're doing the things, you know, the mother's doing all the things, the outcomes are just not as even, I think is the right word. So there's more rises, um, more rises that stay up longer mm-hmm. and then i was you know i watched it through the week and i i sent a text a couple of times and was like hey let me see if i can help here but i stayed out of it mostly i was just sort of looking and then saturday came back around and boom the kid's blood sugar was back down and i was like wow it's fascinating it's the same kid the same food the same house it's it's a different style and um it really did lead into i for for the very first time a couple of weeks ago I, I came to realize by watching like this, you know, these people, uh, Dexcoms, I have my daughter, my daughter's friend and this 
this other person. So three people at the same time. When wow. when the boy when the when the father is is on the f- the first kid that I was just talking about, these three people's blood sugars almost look exactly the same. Their numbers are always similar. Their spikes are always similar. The times that their spikes stay high are always similar. And I have to tell you, a huge moment of pride because what I realized is what you're seeing in these three different people's blood sugars is my style. It's my style of management. It's it's the rules, but it's not just the rules. It's the rules with the, I don't know, whatever that is, whatever I talk about on the podcast, however I feel about the pre-bolusing and how to manage highs. Like when you when somebody does that, when somebody gets it and puts it together, it looks the same from person to person. And I, I'd be super interested to I'm I'm assuming you're seeing the same thing when you're managing less spikes, like that kind of stuff. And then when you hand it off to a different person. So it's not the rules as much as it is. Well, it is the rules. You have to have the, you have to have the tenants down, right? But after you have them, it's more about when to use them, you know, how hard it's, it's, I don't know, like a passer in football, you know, like what's the difference between a six, six guy that can throw a ball a hundred yards and Tom Brady, who's 40 years old and broken down. And why is Brady a better passer than the 25 year old kid who's clearly a, you know, a better athlete than he is. Um, and I think it's the intangible stuff you can't measure. Right. Yeah. And there's, uh, there's a lot to it. That's I guess intuitive now. Mm-hmm. When I first started out, I, I was measuring everything and I had the measuring cup and, and I, we would count cards perfectly and we still get it off because it doesn't all that doesn't matter. Right. This now I just look at a I just glance at her plate. Eh, two, three, I don't know. Try three. We missed it. We have ice cream. Right. <laughs> and if you miss the other way, you readdress with more insulin. Yeah. 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 It really is it, man. It's just it's about like just staying like easy, right? Like I don't know. You got to keep your hips loose and move with it, you know, uh, which is funny because <clears throat> I can't dance uh, even a little bit, <laughs> yeah. but, but this I can dance with. Um, and it's cool that it hit you too. Is there any possibility that it was palatable to you because I'm a man? Was it easier to hear about this from a guy or do you not think it matters to you? I don't think it matters. I, I've listened to tons of stuff. Before I've got this, I just, I have a new job. I've been in about six months before that. I, I owned own business, my own business and I would just listen to books and books and podcasts. Doesn't matter to you where, where the information yeah. comes from. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Hey, before, before we get too far into the podcast, I, I, I did want to tell you that I guess share my diagnosis story. Cause that was an interesting way to, to, figure it out i want to hear so in the whole custody thing i sent the kids back and it was supposed to be for uh a thanksgiving break but we still we were still waiting until to get the uh final parenting plan from the courts or waiting to go to court uh so it was just a verbal a written written agreement but it wasn't legally bound Mm -hmm. so i sent the kids they were living here already and so i sent them to go see their mom in St. Then it was St. Louis supposed to be for just a week. 
uh, of course, her mom got her, got both the kids and said, uh, oh, no, I decided to keep them here. And so I went back, uh, went back to my lawyer and I had, um, had them try to get an emergency hearing and technically it didn't qualify, but they were able to get a um, hearing very soon, uh, within three weeks of that happening. So I go to court on December what, 21st, judge is there and lawyer and their mom is not. Uh, at this point, we, nobody knew Hannah was di- diabetic mm. or how sick she was at that moment. Uh, her mom had texted me a week earlier and asked me if I got their, their eyes checked when they were here. And I was like, no, I, but I didn't think anything of it. So anyway, we're, I'm in court and, uh, the judge is like, okay, I'm going to grant you custody. How do you plan to get the kids? And I said, well, I, have, I looked at the judge and I said, I, I have plane tickets tomorrow morning to pick them up. And that, you know, I, I was ready. Right. Uh, so, uh, that's the plan. I'd fly out there to St. Louis. Um, their mom brings me, brings me the kids and, First thing she said says Hannah's not feeling well. You might have to pick her up out of the car. I, I didn't understand. I was like, okay. So I picked her up out of the car, and I, I look at her, and she's obviously sick and doesn't feel well. And I buckle her in the, to my car, and we start driving back to the airport. And I look back in the in the back seat, and I noticed just her her eyelids were starting to her bottom of their eyes were sunken down away from her eyeballs. Oh, I, I understand what you're saying. Like the bottoms of her eyes were like separating from it. They looked like they were, there was like a gap between her and her eyes. Yes. Oh geez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I, I looked at her cheekbones were protruding. It was just, I mean, you've seen it before. I've heard you explain it. Yeah. And, with Arden, that level of, of sickness, just, you look like death. And I, I was, I didn't know what to do. And I, in hindsight, I should have took it straight to the hospital there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't realize how, how sick until we finally got to Atlanta and was, drove home. And uh, she tried to put her pajamas on that she wore literally a month before and, and it literally just fell right off mm. and, uh, at that point I, I i was scared yeah genuinely scared the next morning i take her straight to the urgent care and i the next morning was even worse she couldn't walk couldn't couldn't really had no energy of whatsoever I took her to the Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, uh, a satellite location there, and had her in my arms. And the whole office literally stopped what they're doing, pulled her back um, into the back. We, I mean, within a minute, we had a doctor there. Yeah, well, they've seen something that horrible before. They know what it looks like. You're, you're still doing the that thing that everybody does, right? Like, it can't be that bad. Like my eight year old's not dying, you, you know what I mean? Like you just don't think it's. Am I am I right? Where you just you knew it was bad, but 
you didn't think it was life and death or were you starting to believe that it might be? Uh, well, that morning I knew it was, I knew it could be life or death. That's why I went straight to the urgent care, the children's healthcare of Atlanta, urgent care, right. not, not just any hospital or guy on the corner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and that, but before I had, I went there, I told my dad the, the, what she looked like. And he immediately said, but well, she, she's diabetic. Hmm. So we, we ran in there and, and I told him, you know, do a glucose test. This do you probably remember, is diabetes. Do you remember what it was when they tested her? Four or 500. Oh, but it had been probably been going on for a while. Yeah, she lost significant weight. So that's crazy. I I imagine she was in DKA for some time. How was she being? Do you did you ever go back to your ex and and ask like how like like what that time was like? Was she like that the entire time, or did it degrade, or were you not able to get that information? I I never got a straight answer. I I did ask her. It's like, hey, how how can you miss this? Right. This wasn't. This wasn't a stomach bug, not even close. It occurs to me too that if you weren't in the middle of trying to extract them and having to put them on a plane, I because I'm, I, you know, I'm thinking about myself in that situation. You have you have a couple of different issues here. Like you're not just picking them up at the mall. Like you had to go to a judge to go get them back. So there's this feeling of like I need to take them away, and then you've got to get them onto a plane. And there's two kids, and you were probably focused on the things you were doing. And then the minute you got home and could really look at her. I, I'm assuming it would strike you. So it does, I don't, I don't want to cast aspersions, but it does, it does make you wonder why a person who was with them and not going through all that stuff wouldn't be able to look and think something's really wrong here. But, you know, I stared at my daughter for a week, not knowing what the hell was wrong either. So I don't know. It's tough. You know, I don't know either. That, that could be a rabbit hole to, to go down and say, Hey, why didn't you take her to the doctor? Maybe she did. And the doctor didn't recognize the signs. hundred percent could be that right. Yeah. Well, so she's in there and diagnosed, I'm assuming in the, um, they take her to ICU. Do you get to stay with her or how do they handle that? We never really talk about this. Uh, yeah. I, so they transferred her, they called up a, they started an IV right there in the office mm-hmm. with fluids. Um, then did an ambulance ride to the ICU and at the Scottish Rite location. Uh, I ran home, grabbed my cell phone charger bag of clothes ran straight to the hospital and four days straight only time i left her side was going to get some food or using the restroom yeah how involved were you in parenting prior to that were you like what was the division in your home were you just like you know what i'm saying like did you you go out and do the work and bring the money back and the kids were you know your ex or did you guys have a reasonable like co-parent situation i'm trying to decide how much of a a culture shock to your parenting it is to uh, not only have the kids full-time but then have this dropped on top of it well they the kids my two kids would be here all summer long and then uh, during each school break they were here Mm -hmm. at at that point they were here since late may of that that summer all the way up until thanksgiving when i flew them back to go see their their mom okay and then when i picked them up again so you're you're a full-time father before this happened it wasn't like a 
it, it didn't all get dropped on you at one time. No. No, cool. Okay. Um, all right. Did she leave the hospital with a pump and a CGM, or how did they start her off originally? Do they do that? Sometimes, if you push hard. like, And so I didn't know. I'm trying to figure out the timeline of when you decided what you wanted to do. No. no. no we They did some education, um, which was probably a little basic. <laughs> that makes sense. Which is good. Yeah. Which is good. Uh, but they're, they're trying to teach us about low blood sugars, high blood sugar. I'm like, look, this I, I, I know more than I ever wanted to know. Yeah. I've got this throw her on the floor, make her unconscious. I know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Like I've, I've given too many shots. I, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, we left with just MBI, uh, and, and finger sticks. And then mm-hmm. within a couple of weeks, we got on the Dexcom. It's quick. Yeah. Yeah. That's, now, did somebody show it to you, or how did you know to ask for it, or where did they offer it? I think I, I heard it in your podcast. I was like, yeah, that's pretty nice. Oh, so you did find the podcast in, like, the first week? Uh, was it, it wasn't the first week. I think it might have been It might have been four weeks before I got the Dexcom. Okay. It that's was still, very still pretty soon. Yeah, I know. That's very fast. I've I've heard from people who are listening to the podcast in the hospital while the kids are sleeping in the bed and, and getting well. Um, not always like that's usually comes through another person. Usually that's a person who, you know, is reaches out to friends and says, you know, my God, my kid's just been diagnosed and that person has type one or something. They say, Oh, listen to this podcast right now. Like and that to me is fascinating. Um, but even inside of a month is I think that's very quick. It just really is. So has she ever, like, have her, where have her A1Cs been? Do you mind sharing? If you mind sharing, don't tell me, but. Oh, I'll share. It's, it's just, it's just a number. Yeah. Uh, I think diagnosis, she was 13 and she went down to eight a month or two later. And then I think that summer in July, I got her down to in the sixes, mid sixes, mm-hmm. 6.5 or something. And then it's gone up a little bit. I think it's last one was 7.2. But you guys are happy with it. You're, you're good with where she is. There's room for improvement. I'd, I'd like to keep it under seven in the mid sixes. Okay. Mid to 6.5 to seven range. And we, and you're, and your sticking point is the time that you're not with her to kind of add the, whatever the magic is to the management. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the plan for teaching that to somebody else? I, I can't say I have a plan. David's <laughs> like, listen, man, we're in the middle of a pandemic. My plan is not to touch anything and then forget to wash my hands. <laughs> but, no, um, I, I, I asked because I didn't think there was an answer because I don't know. I'm still at a loss for how you transfer the see the pitch of the line right there. That's how I knew to give more insulin after the meal. But And I'm assuming that's the kind of stuff you're seeing. Like, it's just it's not. It's not seeing numbers and knowing math. It's being in a situation and just just intrinsically knowing like what to do next. It, it, you don't think about it, right? It just happens. Is that true for you? Yeah. I mean, it's, I see it going up with, with a straight one straight up arrow. I'm just give insulin. I don't even, 
I can't even say I think too much about it. Yeah. All right. I didn't give enough to uh, originally. So another half unit or one unit, whatever. Right. Just more. I, I yeah. listen, I did it last night. Arden was, um, I mean, I don't know how your kids are, but in this whole not going to school situation, my children have adjusted their, their 24 hour schedule to, uh, fit their needs and desires. So they're basically up really late sleeping in on the morning, getting up, doing their schoolwork, you know, through the afternoon to the evening. Like they've just, I don't know, they've adjusted the clock around to fit the where, where they want to be. And so last night I was working on a podcast that's going to go up tonight and Arden was just cruising along in the eighties with her blood sugar. And she asked me for popcorn and it was weird because it was too late for her to be hungry. So I thought as soon as she asked for popcorn, I thought, Ooh, she's going to get low. And because, you know, she still confuses hunger with low or the feeling that low's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's confused as much as it's, you know, right before an 85 turns into a 60, she feels hungry, which I'm sure everybody who has type one was like, yeah, that's how it feels. Um, so, it was the time of day that made me think it. So I hustled the popcorn to her. I didn't get it to her as quickly as I hoped to. And she's like 75 diagonal down. So I held on bolusing because I knew what was happening. And I knew she was going to try to keep getting low. And the popcorn doesn't hit her very quickly. So I'm trying to make that timing right. And right as I'm like, oh, this worked. Here's how much insulin we're going to put in. Put the insulin in. She's like can I get an ice cream cone too? And I thought, Oh, if I knew the ice cream was coming after the popcorn, I would have bowled sooner for the popcorn. And you know, like the whole kind of like the math of it hit me. And then she kind of rises up to 170 and gets really sticky there for a while. And I was just like, I'm not putting up with this. <laughs> you know, so we jacked her basil up and drove it back down again. Um, but I wasn't going to sit and stare at a 170. So, you know, and I don't know that it was, there, there would it would have been easy for me to over treat that one seventy, cause another low, and then put her into a situation where she's got to find food again. I didn't want to do that, you know. But then you're you're on the roller coaster from there, yeah, right? It's, and it takes it takes some finesse to jump off that roller coaster and smooth it out. Yes, yes, uh, it really does. It, it that, to come in for that real that that real fine landing and just you know pull up at the right exact second is uh it takes time. But we did it. You know, I woke up this morning and her blood sugar was like 87 when I woke up. And um, she's still sleeping now and it's 78. So, you know, it's uh, it's all good. But yeah. there's so many opportunities within that moment, those moments uh, going all the way back to what is now 12 hours ago. There are so many opportunities to um, I don't react wrong. You know what I mean? And, uh, and just to send you in a different area, it's that whole, it's the larger idea around bumping and nudging that is hard to put into words. Like you're not just bumping the insulin. You're not just bumping the food. It's, it's the entirety of the diabetes you're trying to keep inside of that, that space between, you know, for us for 70 and 120. I'm just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a balancing act when you're first starting, but it sounds like you do a really good job with it. Some days, some days, well, you know, some days I don't do a very good job either, but then the, but the real question for you really does seem like how, like, what's the first step? Like, what could you pick one thing that would help 
the people she's with when she's not with you? Like, what if what one thing do you think you should reinforce more? I, I'm not sure. I'm I'm just I call my dad when when she's there and like, hey, dad, what are you doing? Give her more insulin and just manage micromanage through the phone. Yeah, I would say pre bolusing. That should be the first step. You have to make if you made pre bolusing a law of the land. Um, I think a lot of what's happening would change for you. It seems to me through our conversation, which I've never seen a graph or, and I'm not there, but I bet you that's the first step because it's a hard thing for people to want to wrap their heads around. Plus I'm assuming your mom probably doesn't for herself. I'm guessing uh, she does. Does she? Oh, she okay. does. It's just, it's harder to pre bowl for, for a kid. I mean, in some people's minds, it's not hard because yeah. at our house, I just give up two units and I have no idea what she's going to eat, but right. I, through experience, I know she's going to, her carb ratio is about 20, 20 to one. Mm-hmm. So I know she's going to at least eat 40 carbs. Two units will get her started through two thirds of the meal for coverage. Uh, but I, I got that. But how do you get that through to somebody else? Yeah, yeah. Uh, By the way, David, you have no idea how um, just cool it feels to hear somebody like mimic your words back to you in in a way that's helping them. Like that idea of like, just put some in, get it moving. We know she's going to eat at least this much. She always eats this much so we can get this much of a pre-bolus in and then address the rest later. That's like, I felt like I was listening. When you were talking, I felt like I was listening to myself. And that's very cool. Well, I, I... I used to make the meal, count the carbs, measure it, and and then sit there and look at it for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I got tired of that. We all did. Staring at it, As a thinking fan. like you got it wrong or or waiting for the pre-bolus? Well, pre-bolus. Yeah. Because we didn't know how much pre-bolus, so we measure the food. And oh, you don't I need to you. do all that. I hear you. Yeah, that's maddening. So everybody was like looking at dinner, like waiting on when – we could all start eating. Did you make the family wait for her? Yes, yeah. I did. <laughs> now listen, we, in the beginning, man, when you're scared, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Well, that's smoothed out, and we just, you know, 20, 20 minutes beforehand. Throw in some insulin. Two units, there you go. Two units. Just bolus two yep. units. I have, I have uttered the words across my house, bolus. How much? I don't know. <laughs> Just get some going. Three. Let's call it three. Uh, let's do this much. Let's, you know, uh, I hope my daughter's picking up on that. You know, um, that idea of how we do it. Like, I, I, my goal is to sit her down and really explain everything to her um, in more detail. And I'm trying to get her to do that on the podcast. We'll see if we can make that happen. Hopefully this uh, this coronavirus thing will go on long enough that she'll get so bored that she'll be like, all right, fine, let's do that thing we were talking about. Because that's what's left for her is the conversation. You know, she does it. I think she knows what happens. Um, she's a kid. She's not great at paying attention to it at sometimes. You know, I'm sure your daughter's the same way. Um, no, no she doesn't pay <laughs> attention to it. Yeah, right. They're just like, wow, I'm rolling. They weren't paying it. It's funny. I hear people say, um, Oh, see, your daughter's not paying attention because you're managing it for her. Okay. Well, 20 years ago, were those kids paying attention when their A1Cs were eight and a half 
and you know they didn't have any of this technology yeah they weren't paying attention either kids back then we called it let them be kids <laughs> i'm letting my daughter be a kid and everybody's like but it's because you're doing it for her. i'm like well at least someone's doing it um you know i'll find a way to get it to her the information but i i i, I like how some people think of um Jenny and I just talked about this the other day, which is what's got it in my head. I don't know why some people think of healthy as extreme. It's not extreme management to want to have healthy outcomes. Do you, do you know what I mean? Um, no. Yeah. So that's very cool. Um, any concern about your other daughter? Does it worry you? Do you find yourself thinking about it? Yeah, I've worried about it. And she's too young for the trial, Matt. I think you got to be like two years old or something. Okay. Because uh, when you have it run in the family, I think that statistically the odds are higher by a little bit. Not not enough to buy a lottery ticket, but by a little bit. I think it might be ten percent. I'm not certain anymore. Um, but you do you think you'll do trial net when the time comes, or how are you leaning? Well, uh, if I start seeing some signs. But I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how good with that, how effective that'll be. I could just check her blood sugar. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, see, it's interesting, isn't it? Once it's happened to you once, the idea of it happening again, it's it's not as scary. It's not something you want, but it's not as like overly frightening. I would imagine. No. Yeah, because you're like, oh, we do it now. We could just do it again. Yeah, I just don't want to miss it. Right. Yeah. I'm well, not gonna miss it again because I didn't have an opportunity to miss Hannah because she, did, I wasn't with her yeah well i don't think you'll i don't dude i don't think you'll miss that again i think you could probably spot a kid uh from across the mall i mean if malls are still a thing we do in the future um uh at this point that's probably seared into your memory you know yeah it is yeah no kidding how old are you Uh, 32 do you ever think about for yourself trauma yeah i've already did it and i've no signs, no antibodies or whatever they test for. Yeah. You don't have the marker. So no kidding. Yeah. I would, I'd be interested. Your dad, I'll tell you your father, how old's your father? 65. Yeah. He sounds like he, he's been through it a couple of times with this. He might be interesting to talk to. (laughs) He's uh, sounds like he's been through a couple of uh, diabetes wars and uh, still, Uh, still talking about it. Yeah. Our whole lives have been, my whole life has been with a, diabetic at one point or another yeah no kidding do you have any siblings yeah i had a brother he passed away years and years ago i'm sorry 2004 i gotcha oh my gosh well geez david i um i i have i have a question that's completely unrelated to uh to all of this i'm just gonna ask it on the recording because i saw in your signature line that you're an arborist so I am. Why is it so expensive? Is it just because you guys know how to do it? Nobody else does. So nah, nah, nah. That's how much it costs. <laughs> or is it because it's, it's dangerous or the machinery is the work actually, you know what I mean? So yes, yeah, so there's, it's high risk work. It's very dangerous. Right. Um, so everything associated with it is more expensive. The workers cop, the insurance, the equipment to do tree removal or tree service, whatever you're doing is, expensive it's the worst adult thing i've ever done in my life is to pay someone to make a tree disappear because prior to it happening you have money and a tree and when it's over you neither have money nor a tree and it's just like 
I don't know. It's the least satisfying thing I've ever done as a as an adult. <laughs> uh, yeah, really money's is. gone. <laughs> money's gone. Tree's gone. Three years from now, the roots of that tree are going to rot, and my 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 lawn's going to collapse on itself. But to fill it up with dirt and replant grass. Uh, no, seriously, it's but it's amazing work. If no one's ever watched somebody up in a tree with just roping and you know a small you know chainsaw. It's fascinating to see somebody either just just to clean a tree for health or to uh, or to, to actually take one down, how they drop it and bring the branches out of it. It, it. it feels like there's an art. How do you learn something like that? Through a lot of years. I don't do the, any of the climbing. OK. Uh, I got into it through through the landscaping side. I owned a business and decided to sell that. And this company uh, recruited me in as one of their sales guys. Okay. Well, that sounds like better than climbing uh, a tree. Yeah. I don't, the climbing's not actually, climbing's dangerous, but statistically the ground people are, are at more danger. From falling branches and things like that. Falling branches and the chipper. Oh, I never thought of that. Do people yeah. really get caught in the chipper? Yes. Oh my God. All right. Hold on. Not often, but it, if you got some time, YouTube the video. Uh, they they have a test dummy where they uh, the rope gets uh, is hung on a log and the log gets fed into the chipper. Right. And that test dummy goes from like like creeping a, a couple feet along and then just shoots right into the chipper. Ugh. It is. Oh, you gave me a chill up my spine. That's terrible. It's <laughs> yeah. really terrible. I um I had a guy one time tell me. We can drill holes into the tree and put medication in it and save it. I was like, you better stop, man. <laughs> so it's like, just, just cut the tree down, all right? <laughs> the best time to cut down the tree is is before it falls. It's a year before it falls is better than one day after. <laughs> yeah, there's We have a huge oak tree on the corner of our house. And I mean, it really is probably like 20 feet in diameter. And... It's on Arden's side and in a, in a windstorm. She'll be like, that tree's okay, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> My son's like, is it? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, what do you want me to tell her? Don't sleep in your room? I was like, she'll be in the hallway every time the wind blows. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I, was like, I was like, that tree's been there for 50 years. I was like, it'll be there after we're dead. Don't you worry. And I do have to, because of the positioning, I, I do have to have someone come out periodically and clean it and take out any, you know, branches that are, you know, making their way over the house or looking kind of rickety. Um, and people don't realize too, when you clean your trees out, your grass grows better underneath of them. So, uh, yeah, that's it. It's, it's an, it's an absolutely fascinating job. So when we bought our property, I have an acre, which I don't think in most of the country is a, a lot of land. And in some places it probably seems like a farm, but it's, you know, uh, when we bought it, it was lined in the back with these um, very thin pencil like pine trees, and they would like drop all these horrible you know needles, and they'd fall over, and they were just rickety trees. There must have been thirty of them, and um, I hired a, a small company to remove them, and it was so much work that we we scheduled it for over vacation, so we left our house and two sides of our property were lined with these pine trees. And when we came back, they were gone and the work was done and it was and your money and my, well, my money was gone before I left for vacation. But when I got back, the trees were gone and it was, it was bizarre. Like it felt like we came back to a different place. 
it was it was really interesting. I I think it's amazing work. Like and and there I've hired people who are good at it, and I've hired people who aren't, and it's an obvious difference. So, yep. really interesting. Uh, is there anything we didn't talk about that you were hoping to talk about? No, just sharing my experience, and I I appreciate your doing the podcast. It helped me a lot. No, it's my pleasure. I'm sure it helps. Sure, it helps other people as well. Thank you. No, I, I really do enjoy it. I, I I enjoy very much talking to people and the podcast uh, in general. Um, it just, uh, I didn't imagine it was going to be, I don't know, I've said this before, but if you, you know, if you uh, jump back 20 years ago uh, and tell me, you know, 28 year old Scott is uh, going to have a podcast one day about diabetes that helps people, I'd think you probably have the wrong guy. That doesn't seem like something I would do. Um, but I just, I get so much back from it, um, that, uh, that you, you'd have no way of knowing how much you're helping me by listening to it. So I, I appreciate that very much. Excellent. All right, so listen, wash your hands. <laughs> Don't touch anybody. How see how, uh, how, um, this will be interesting. Cause this isn't going to go up for a while and, and it's April now. Um, how, how are you handling, I'll let you go after this. How are you, how are you handling this? coronavirus thing are you are you locked down when you're not working or are you how do you how do you manage the whole thing what are your kids doing how's your family handling this pretty much obviously i work every day um well five days a week kids go to go to my parents and then i pick them up or they drop them off uh outside of work i don't there's not much nothing's open uh parks are you can go to the park and walk the trail, but all the playgrounds are closed. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot to do. So your parents are living their lives. You and you're still using them as daycare, for the lack of a better term here. And and so, are you going to the store like less frequently? Are you trying to limit that, or how do you handle the shopping and stuff? Shopping, yeah. I, I mean, I got to get food. We got to eat. Yeah. So go to the store. Is it weird, or are people masked up and everything, or? It's weird. It's I, you know, I guess it's the CDC says that's the guidelines now. Right. Everybody wears masks, but it looks ridiculous. <laughs> it does make you feel weird. That's for certain. I, I don't have a mask, so I went out the other day. I had to grab food, and I'm leaving the house. And I look at Kelly, and I'm like, "What do I do here? Like, we don't have masks." And she's like, "We have that. There's that scarf, that neck scarf." And I was like, "What?" So it's just this scarf that you know. It's one piece. It's elastic, and it's you know it's like a it's like a tire tube. It goes around your neck, and you pull it up over your nose and your mouth, and your. And I'm like, all right. So now I'm in the store, and I go to walk in. I'm like, all right, okay. Like, is this even going to do anything? And I pull it up, dude. Forty five minutes later, as I'm checking out, I'm on fire. <laughs> Just like I'm as hot as I've ever been in my life. I was like, I'm going to die from from the scarf cover in my face before I get this damn coronavirus, I think. Uh, but I, and I felt odd the whole time. So, you know, but I, I will say that the grossest, the grossest part of my day that I've tried to change is, is going into gas stations. I'm on the road all day. Yeah. And now you're and, thinking about it a little more, right? Like, you know what? It's interesting. <laughs> I, I used to have a, a job where I was dirty all the time. I worked in a sheet metal shop. And so when you're filthy, you don't think about anything else. Like, you're just like, I'm dirty. doesn't matter if something else is dirty, but now you're like looking for the invisible dirt, right? You're like, 
what what can I not see here? Oh yeah, so those yeah. those are kind of your um those are your offices, places to stop to get coffee, use bathrooms, stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I watched this one guy. He literally coughed, sneezed, picked his boogers, wiped his snot, and went straight into the gas station. <laughs> Did you just like? I would have right. That would have made my brain scream at me. I would have. <laughs> Because <laughs> you start thinking, everyone does that when no one's looking at them, don't they? And, oh my god! Uh, yeah, how many people do that? Not more than I want to know. So yeah. and that's not something you would have paid attention to before this. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, David. Thank you very much. I um, I wish you a lot of luck. It sounds like you're on a great path, and um, it seems like you've done a lot of hard work to build your family and keep it safe and together, which is uh, is very laudable. It, it really is. It's um. I come from a a family of divorce and uh, I know what it was like to watch one of my parents not really seem to care so much about being a parent and, uh, and what it was like to watch the other one have to work about five times as hard to uh, keep everything together. So I am, um, I'm a big fan of what you're doing and I don't think a lot of people know how hard it is. So good for you. Really is cool. Thank you. Yeah. hundred percent, man. You should be, uh, should be applauded. It's, uh, not, not everybody knows how to, uh, not everybody knows how to see the responsibility in front of them. And even though it looks heavy, pick it up and, and run with it. So, and then you got diabetes on top of that, uh, with Hannah. So it's a lot of work, man. I'm, I'm, I, you know, we're, we're not in a position where I can be proud of you, but if I was, I would be. So, uh, it's really, it's really something. There's too many people that shirk their responsibilities and, and we don't talk enough about the people who don't. So I appreciate yeah. you coming on and sharing the story. All right. Thanks for having me. Yep. Have a great day. See ya. Take care. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G V O K E G L U C A G O N dot com forward slash juice box. Thanks also to the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Please check it out at contournext.com forward slash juice box. And of course, you're going to want to find out more about Touched by Type 1. You can do that by going to touchedbytype1.org or finding them on Instagram and Facebook. Add your data to the other wonderful people who have already done so at t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. We're trying to get 6,000 participants, and so far about 400 of you listeners have gone, uh, gone over and filled out the information. I want to thank all of you who have done so already, and I want to ask the rest of you to please consider joining in. They're very excited over at T1D Exchange, but they'd like to hear from many, many more of you. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. The information they're looking for is some very basic stuff about living with type 1 diabetes. It is not in any way personal. I filled it out for Arden and did not have any trouble with what was being asked. And you also have the complete ability to just at any time contact them and say, you know, I don't want to be involved in this. And they'll just take your answers out. But like I said, it's 100% anonymous, 100% HIPAA compliant, and it's a million percent a nice thing to do.
If you want to know more, let your podcast player run for about another minute. And if you don't, now would be a good time to hit stop. When you add your voice to the T1D exchange, they use your data to make good decisions in the world of type 1 diabetes. You may have heard in past episodes that things like Medicare for CGM users came from their data. Lower A1C goals from the ADA came from the T1D exchanges data. But they need data to come to conclusions to help move life forward for people with type 1. And the truth is, the way science works, the more data they have, the more conclusive they can be. They're looking for up to 6,000 participants, and it only took me about seven minutes to fill it out. This is a super easy way for you to support type 1 diabetes research and advancements. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. There are links in the show notes and links at juiceboxpodcast.com. I really hope you throw in with these people, and they're a good group. All right, that's it. We welcome the new sponsor, had a really interesting conversation, talked about the T1D exchange, and now I'm just going to remind you that if you've enjoyed the Juicebox podcast, please leave a beautiful five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And of course, if you're listening in an app right now, please hit subscribe. Tell a friend about the show. And if you're listening online, it might be time, you know, to catch up with the rest of the world. Get yourself a podcast app. They're free, they're easy, and they're handy as heck. If you don't know how to do that, right there at the top of juiceboxpodcast.com, you just kind of look like, oh, I use Spotify, I'll click on this. I have an Apple iPhone, I'll click on this. I have an Android, you know what I'm saying? There are links to help you get going. Podcast apps should always be free. Please don't pay for one unless you have like some super special one that you love and all that, but for most of you, There's no reason to pay for a podcast app. Thanks very much for listening. I'll see you soon.